This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Big week here on Fantasy Football today. Sleepers, breakouts, and busts. I got four sleepers from Dave, Ben, and Jamie today. We're going to talk about some of our favorites. I'm going to read your tweets. I asked you on Twitter who were some of your favorite sleepers this year. And I've got your responses. I also put a Twitter poll up. If you could only put one condiment on a hot dog, which would it be? Ketchup or mustard? And the results are very, very close. So we will take a look at that extremely exciting, extremely competitive Twitter poll. Uh, Dave, last week I coined a phrase, I'm trademarking it, about sleepers and breakouts. What did you think of that phrase? It It was pretty great, wasn't it? I think you should say it before I react to it. All right. Ready? Because I never never sent you my reaction. I think you said clever. Oh, maybe I did. That was it. Uh, Really? Did I even say clever? Check the tape. I'm pretty sure you did. People, What's the difference between a sleeper and a breakout? Ready? Here we go, guys. TM. Sleepers win you weeks. Breakouts win you leagues. Bam! (laughs) (laughs) No? Did you start the show yet? Oh, we started. <laughs> we started. That's going down. The last history. thing you sent me is LOL. Just kidding about the pizza thing. New York pizza is totally overrated, <laughs> yeah. but I've got to play it up since I live in the city. I don't think that happened. And I don't live in the city. I got it right here on the phone. Um, well, anyway, sleepers can win you weeks. Maybe they could win you leagues as well. You each have a sleeper quarterback that's going around the different quarterback going around the same ADP. Dave says uh, golf. Jamie says Ben Roethlisberger. Ben says uh, Cam Newton. We'll talk about them. I'll let Ben Gretsch start. It's the second show of the week. It's a Ben Gretsch show. Who's your favorite? Give me one sleeper you want to highlight. My favorite sleeper right now is Boston Scott, for sure. Uh, we kind of thought all offseason the Eagles would add another back. They might still bring in a veteran. We don't know. But Scott is the, the high-value touches I love to talk about with running backs, the receiving and the red zone work. Um, he's just a perfect example of that. He caught so many passes when he started playing late last year. He had seven green zone touches, touches inside the 10 in the final four weeks, which were like the only real weeks he was playing. And that's not something that is rare for them to do with their pass, uh, pass catching back. They, they've always under Doug Peterson. They've, they've done a lot of committeeing, right? But they've always rotated the green zone look specifically. Darren Sproles got a, a decent amount when he was there and healthy in a similar role. So this guy's like the exact type of touches that I want to see in a player. And then what I don't think people realize is he's a super good athlete. He's supposedly a workout warrior, like really great on the bench and squat and all this stuff. All the things that we kind of love about Austin Eckler, like if you're looking for the next Austin Eckler, you don't want to pay the the second round price tag on Austin Eckler. Boston Scott is this undersized, but thick, uh, very athletic, hyper agile, uh, also ran a good 40-yard dash and and extremely um, strong, undersized back that catches passes and scores touchdowns and, and has that Austin Eckler profile. If something were to happen to Miles Sanders, this guy could be just a monster. And I just don't think he's getting any respect. I, the thing that stood out to me, you mentioned that he was thick. I think people look at Boston Scott and they see the numbers from last year and they think, oh, he's like a, a Sproles clone. And you brought up Sproles too. He was pretty good in short yardage situations. He had 13 carries on downs, three yards to go or closer converted 10 of the 13. That's a high rate. That's really good. So kind of does have a physical side to him on top of the pass catching ability. 
Do you think there's any use for Boston Scott? Because we got the word today from Doug Peterson that Miles Sanders is the guy. It's no surprise. We know he's going to be a workhorse. <clears throat> well, at least it seems that way. Is is he just um, a handcuff or someone that's going to be great with an injury? Or is this someone that you actually think that we could start sometimes in fantasy? No, look, if, if Miles Sanders gets even 75% of the snaps, he's going to pay off his first round ADP. And I still love Miles Sanders. This is a great offense for, for running backs from the pass catching and the goal and the, and the green zone where they're going to score points. Uh, we're just hoping that Miles Sanders gets like a 75% rate, but Scott's the kind of player that on, you know, 25% of the snaps could have like an Austin Eckler role. Maybe, maybe he's hoping for more like 70, 30. Um, I don't think this is a scenario where, uh, like Sanders, when they, when we say workhorse compared to, to Doug Peterson's history, like before Sanders at the end of last year, Peterson in his years at the, with the Eagles had just a couple games here and there where guys ever even got in a single game, any running back got a 60% snap share. So again, like Sanders, if he can average in the 70 to 75% range, that would be huge for Sanders. That's something that I think a lot of people aren't expecting from him because of those committee tendencies. And that would still leave plenty of snaps for Scott. I like them both. And I think Scott can have a standalone role and, and still be a handcuff. All right. And he had 24 catches last year. I'm not sure if you mentioned this 24 catches, 23 of them were in the last four games of the season. So, you know, potential for a lot of catches for Boston. Scott, Jamie, your favorite sleeper. Josh Kelly, I just look at the 200 touches that are available in this offense and what the opportunity is for him to beat out Justin Jackson. And so uh, while Austin Eckler should be the star of the Chargers running back group, I think Kelly will eventually be the second guy. And who knows, he may end up being somebody that could be a, uh, a flex option or a low-end starter for you. All right, very nice. Dave, and, and you know, why are people taking, before I get to Dave's sleeper, both on NFC and on Fantasy Pros, Justin Jackson is going ahead of Josh Kelly. Do you think that should be the case, and why do you think it is the case? I think it's because he's the veteran there, and he's you know been in this offense before, but I think Kelly's going to end up being the better of the two. So I, I don't have a problem with somebody taking the flyer on Jackson just to see if he is that guy. Again, there's a lot of touches available in this in this backfield. So you know this is a, a swing for the fence type of play, and we'll see if Eckler can hold up as the featured running back. We've never seen him in that role before outside of uh, four games. All right, Dave, you're up. Don't hold me to it that Blake Jarwin is my favorite sleeper tight end of this year, but he's kind of leading the pack right now. And it's the combination of him just being a big dude with a great opportunity in an offense that he's never, ever, ever going to get double teamed. in. it's going to be, you know, linebackers and safety strictly covering him at any point in the, on the field. And Dak has averaged 106.5 targets to his tight ends over his years as a starter in Dallas. No, the lowest target total has been 92. It was without Jason Witten, the year that Witten put on some hair and, and went in the Monday Night Football booth. I, I think Jarwin can end up stealing some touchdowns away from Cooper and Lamb and Gallup. And I think he could end up being a pretty sneaky good fantasy tight end. All right, Blake Jarwin is going on Fantasy Pros. He's tight end 24. On NFC, he's tight end Oops. 18. So, yeah, good value there for Blake Jarwin. All right, that, so those are some deeper players. Boston Scott, Josh Kelly, Blake Jarwin. Keep your eye on them. We've got a big week here, not only on the podcast, but on Twitch as well. Huge mock draft Tuesday night. 7 p.m. Eastern, Adam Rank is joining us as we keep bringing in great fantasy analysts from across the industry. Our Twitch stream tomorrow again starts at 7 p.m. Eastern. And we have a new, and you go to twitch.com slash FF today to follow us there. And you can subscribe as well, which we'd 
appreciate. Sign up for the newsletter, cbssports.com slash newsletter. You can see our Fantasy Football Today newsletter and all of our other newsletters. This is a great piece of content that gets delivered right to your inbox, keeps you up to date on all the latest news, tells you the content that we have. There's some podcast stuff in there. cbssports.com slash newsletter. Did you mention how much the newsletter costs, Adam? Uh, it's uh, eight bucks a uh, eight bucks a uh, in addition, right? Every what? time you get it in what? your yeah, you have to pay no. just what? to sign into your Gmail or whatever you're using. No, it's free. It's, it's free. Yeah. I, yeah, I think people figure that out. It's it's free. The newsletter's free. Just making sure. So is the podcast league, Jamie. Ooh. When is the podcast league draft? The podcast league draft is. I'm glad that you're putting me in charge. Of this. <laughs> yeah, I should have looked this up, huh? Um, the podcast league draft is sometime the week of August 31st. All right. We're going to get you the exact date. Can you get the exact date while I kill time? Uh, I mean, that's up to you. Oh, we haven't picked it yet. No, I just told you that we're going to do the recap of the podcast league draft that week. So it's up to you to pick the draft. Date. Ooh, let's pick the, let's pick, let me get my calendar out here. <laughs> what, what day is So August 31st is what a Monday is a Monday. And September 2nd is our draft a thon which will be a huge fundraiser. Ooh. Four plus hours on Twitch, two hours on HQ, so probably not the second. All right, let's do it September 1st. What do you say? September 1st, Tuesday night. Everybody good? Sure. All right, here's the deal. 14-team PPR League, Tuesday night, September 1st, 8 p.m. Eastern. If you cannot make that draft, please do not apply to be in the podcast league. But if you can, we'd love your submission. September 1st, 8 p.m. Eastern. So, again, it's 14 teams. It's PPR. How do you get in? You can just email us, right? FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. That's the letter I, not E-Y-E. CBSI.com. FantasyFootball at CBSI.com. Put Podcast League in the subject line and submit something. Songs are great. We love when you record songs and sing and play and whatever. They're hilarious. Poems are fun. Pictures are great. Photoshopped, Whatever. Somebody made a March Madness bracket of all of my terrible takes one time and got in one of the baseball podcast leagues. I mean, we get really creative stuff. So try to be creative. Also, if you don't want to be creative and you just love the show and you want to be in the league, you can send us one of those. Whatever it is, um, you know, creativity helps, but it's not the only thing I'll be looking for. Put podcast league in the subject line and send your submissions in to fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. How many spots are open? Uh, nine, I guess, right? Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben take five of them, and then nine are open. And we also have the For the People League. You gave one away. Oh, right. I think I actually gave two away. So I think seven are open in that league. I gave one away to, to Jamie's guy. Jamie gave one away because he's irresponsible and he always does that. And then we had the March Madness <laughs> winner as well. What did we well, do for gave, no, the, dra- the draft? The draft. Not March Madness. The draft. Wait, we didn't have March Madness. We had the, this year. N- the NFL <laughs> yeah, draft. Adam. The NFL draft contest. We had that. So um, I think we have seven spots there and eight in another league. So 15 total. Sure. And I'll share my spot with somebody too. Oh, right. Dave likes to do that as well. Okay, great. We're looking forward to it. You have uh, some time to get them in. News and notes. Doug Peterson said Miles Sanders will be the guy. But Jalen Hurd, quarterback for the Eagles, uh, he may have torn his ACL. We'll keep an eye on that. That's very unfortunate news. In fact, a lot of injuries today really sucks. No, 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 no. The 49ers receiver. Oh, Eagles. I'm sorry. I heard that just before we went on the show, and I guess I heard it wrong. Okay, I'm sorry. That's Jalen Hurd of the Niners. Okay, I apologize. So, he t- he may but have torn his ACL? You thought it was Jalen Rager? 
No, no I thought it was Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, the quarterback. Yeah, sorry. Hurts. Uh, yeah, Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Why don't you clarify that again, Adam? Go ahead. Jalen Hurts of the 49ers may have torn his ACL. Missed this whole rookie season. Intriguing, you know, mid-rounder. I think it was a third rounder, but missed this whole rookie mm-hmm. season last year. Big bummer. He's going to miss his second season, too. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Hopkins and AJ Green both have hamstring injuries. It's being called minor right now, precautionary. Guys, TJ Hawkinson's ankle still not 100%. What do you make of that? Not so I'm good. Not yeah, what? I'm not thrilled about it. I've been drafted a lot of TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> All right, that's disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. Does it though, But does it remind you a little bit of George Kittle who got hurt? It's a little different because it wasn't a lingering injury, but he was hurt going into his second season. He fell a little bit in drafts, and then he ended up being an elite breakout. Right. Anything's possible when it comes to injuries. Right. He wasn't hurt as a rookie. And Listen, Derrick Henry last year had a calf injury. He was in a boot, I think, during training camp. And then he is a house of fire when the season starts. You just don't know. If he, if he continues to practice and maybe starts to feel better in a week or two, then it's not a big deal. I really love you spinning an injury, like a, a bad injury news into something positive because he comps well to George Kittle. That was great, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, it made me, it made me feel good as a Hawkinson. Yeah, there guy. you go. Well, sometimes, you know, people, to Iowa. people can overreact <laughs> to injuries, especially when the injuries are to backup quarterbacks that didn't actually get hurt, but share a similar name to other players who were injured. Um, here's what Peter King said about the Buccaneers tight ends. I'd bet Howard plays the most snaps of the tight ends with Brait maybe a few more than Gronkowski, but that's just a guess. Mm, what do you think? Interesting. I don't know. And Gronk apparently had a tough time getting through practice today. Yeah, I'm going to move Gronk down based on that, to be honest with you. It's not that surprising to hear. And OJ Howard is still very talented. They didn't show any real interest in trying to get rid of him this offseason. So maybe they're just going to use Gronk in, in like a, a part-time role. I don't really want to have him ranked as a top 12 tight end right now. Just a matter of what role he's in. I mean, if he's, you know, playing on obvious passing downs, red zone threat. Right. He'll still return value, but but this this isn't encouraging if you're targeting Gronk. Yeah. I mean, he could be like a a better version of Dallas Goddard kind of, but like, I don't, I don't want Goddard in my top 12 tight ends either for that reason. I want guys that are going to play every snap, you know? Right. It could be something that they work him up to, you know I mean? Clearly after a year off, they have, serious playoff, uh, you know, uh, aspirations based on the moves that they've made. So you want him playing a heavy amount of snaps, November, December, as opposed to September, October. How many practices have the Bucks had? One. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, let's see what happens. If, if there, if this is still something that's happening by the time we get to practice number six or seven, then- well, nothing has happened. It's just a report. Right. So, well, I mean, yeah, Peter King's guess is is the report, but you said that Gronk had a hard time getting through practice. Yeah, the report said he was, you know, struggling a little bit. So, yeah, like to me, that matters more. And if he's still struggling by the time we get closer to the season, then absolutely he's not going to be an every down player. But it's such a weird situation, too, because he came back from a year off and he's so much smaller. He's lost weight and they have talented tight ends, two good ones on the roster. So we were all just kind of assuming, okay, well, Gronkowski's back. He's going to be their number one. So for me, it's not like this is uh, going against something that we already knew. This is like the first information we have, and it's, oh, wait, Gronkowski might not even be their number one tight end. He might just be a rotational player. That's a little bit scary for me. And on the flip side of that, it's good for Godwin and Evans. Yeah, okay. That's a good point. Some defensive injuries. 
Very. This is a sad story. Uh, Jacksonville defensive lineman Ronnie Gunter. He can't play. He has a heart condition and could suffer a very serious injury if he does play. And he doesn't know if he can even have the surgery. You can read the details about it because his heart is not enlarged quite enough. It was wild, and it's unfortunate. It's another hit for the Jaguars' defense. Meanwhile, the Cowboys, they went, they've went. they made a lot of additions to their defensive line. One of them was Gerald McCoy at defensive tackle. He's out for the season with a ruptured quad. Philadelphia defensive tackle, uh, defensive lineman Javon Hargrave, he's out multiple weeks with an upper body injury. And uh, there was a... We say Robert Alford for the Cardinals tore his pectoral. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. For That's the record. Second or third corner. We're not sure which yet, but he might not be there any corner if he's not playing. Yeah. Just uh, just before the show, I got a little bit of a news dump from these guys, so I apologize if I made some mistakes there, especially with the Jalen. Uh, Jaguars news. also lost Josh Oliver to a broken foot. To tight end. Right. That's right. Tyler Eifert, week one streamer. Yeah. Who are they playing week one? Colts. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's God. The Colts are going to kill them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're getting before we get into sleepers, we're getting a lot of emails recently about points for first down, and this is trending a little bit. Good. It should. Why? Because I, we've seen now that the screen game is becoming a bigger part of the NFL, and players getting a full point for catching a pass. That it, it the ball will travel. 10, 12 yards, whatever, sideways, laterally. But the gain is for one or two yards. It's not anything special. It's not great. It's kind of cheap points. And for some receivers and some players, not just receivers, that's the basis of their fantasy value is just that volume of catches. First downs are, are an actual like positive stat you're contributing to the team. A lot of receivers average well over, well, most receivers average over 10 yards per catch. That means that most of their catches are good for first downs, not all, of course. But I, I think that it's just a better way to play fantasy with the first downs counting versus the catches. There's too many catches, but you want to have something to supplement yardage and touchdowns. I think first downs fits the bill. Well, I don't think you should do both both catches and first downs counting, but it's just like gives so much weight to these elite players who get a ton well, of touches. You can do half. Yep. That's what that's what Scott Fish does in the Scott yep. Fish Bowl. And and I, I was going to give the, the counter to Dave actually, which would be first downs are another thing, much like touchdowns where the the guy who basically did the most to earn it doesn't always achieve it. So like with touchdowns, a lot of times we see long receptions down inside the five and then some running back runs it in. That happens almost even more with, with first downs. Running backs have a really high first down rate in part because anytime there's like an eight yard catch on first down is probably going to be a run for the first down from second and two or third and two um, quarterbacks run for a decent number of first downs as well. Uh, and and I, I, I like the first down theory, but I also think that it just kind of leans more towards like a, you know, rewarding these plays that are like these two yard dives up the middle for first downs. It rewards short yardage backs a little bit more. Um, so you got to think about how it plays out. And and the way that, that Scott Fish has done it in the Scott Fish Bowl is half point PPR, half a point for a first down. And I think that's a really good way, a really good compromise personally. All right. But the last point is Lamar Jackson could he be the number one pick? Because I find it a little bit difficult to find first down stats, but NBC Sports seems to have it. I just I've seen NBC Sports and I saw another website and they didn't they weren't the same, so I don't know what to believe. But according to NBCSports.com, here are your first down your rushing first down leaders: uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Chris Carson, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, and he had seventy one rushing first downs. So wow. 
I mean, that's just a huge edge. That's If you're playing half a point for first down, that's like six touchdown passes in a six-point-per-passing touchdown league. So I don't know. Like, He's got to yeah. be the number one quarterback. I feel like that settles the He's debate. a first-round pick. He's a first-round pick for me in that format. If it's full point for, for rushing first down, I mean, yeah, for me, he'd be a first-round pick. But even if it's a half point, I mean, that's 71 yeah, first downs. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just crazy. Um, he, I don't think people realize how much he runs, but I, I, I'm also in a league with 0.25 points per carry that did a draft, and I took him in the second round because uh, of all quarterbacks, he had 170 carries, I think, last year. Only one other quarterback had 100. Yeah, he had 176. One other quarterback had 100. It was Josh Allen. He had like 105. And, and and Jackson had 176 in 15 games. Just just anything that gives you points for carries, Jackson's going to give a massive boost over all the other quarterbacks. Okay. So I'm trying to look at the uh, receiving first downs. Uh, Michael Thomas had 91. Julio Jones had 77. There were two wide receivers with more than 70, and they were like f- four running backs with more than 70 first downs or something like that. So, huh. It's it's a new format, newish, and catching some attention. Three running backs plus Lamar Jackson had seventy or more rushing first downs. Get those those guys who get a lot of touches are going to be even more valuable. Okay, um, we got some sleepers to get to here, and let's do it. Dave, Jared Goff is what your quarterback sleeper. Jamie, Ben Roethlisberger is yours. Ben, Cam Newton is yours. They're practically going back to back to back, and they're all like QB 17 through 20 in ADP. Jamie, why don't Hands you... up to 13 on our site. Wow. Wow. All there right. Well, Jamie, who's your favorite? I know you had Roethlisberger. That doesn't necessarily mean he's your favorite, but who's, who are you taking first? Yeah, Roethlisberger's my favorite. Cam second, Goff is third, but I like all three. I think all three have a chance to be, you know, top 10-ish caliber quarterbacks if things go, things go their way. Cam has the highest ceiling of that group. I mean, just because of what he does as a rusher. So if Cam hits, you're going to be thrilled about it. But, you know, it's it's hard to say Cam's going to hit based on what we've seen from him and the fact that he's switching teams. But I think he's he's perfect if you wait on quarterback and you want to take two guys if you're taking him as one of the two. Dave, how do you rank those three? Goff, Roethlisberger, Cam Newton? Uh, Roethlisberger's at the top. No doubt about it. Although I am a little worried about him having huge numbers just because he rarely had huge numbers before Antonio Brown became a thing in Pittsburgh. Uh, Golf will be next. Cam is last. I'm I'm not going to be in the Cam Newton drafting business this year. I'm sorry. How I don't come? believe it. Because I just had completely different offense in theory. I'm sure they're going to do some things that he's used to doing. Not sure how long uh, of how much playing time we'll get if he makes a bunch of mistakes. Receiving core leaves a lot to be desired. He doesn't have that reliable tight end. And I don't know how good of an arm he's got or how much he'll run. His shoulder and his foot have given him problems the last two years. And he hasn't been prolific as a rusher, partially because he hasn't been on the field as much. So too many questions for him. It's hard to fault anybody that takes him with a late pick. Let me just let me, let me put it that way. When I hear him as the 13th quarterback off the board, uh, I get nervous. I think that that's a little too soon. Any player, once you get to round 10 plus, there's not a lot of risk. So you draft him and he stinks for a few weeks. So what? You cut him and you go pick up somebody else. 
But I, I think Roethlisberger and Goff, they certainly feel safer. And in the case of Goff, I think there's actually some upside for him to be a good fantasy quarterback. You want to talk about a team that's got a lot of weapons around him, questions in the run game. I know the O-line is a question mark too, but he, he made amends for that late last season, and he ended up putting up good numbers. I think the reliance on Higby is a factor. And honestly, I think they should get Gerald Everett involved a little bit more too. And they're going to throw a lot. He's got good receivers, and we've seen it from him before. And I just think it's excellent value to get Jared Goff later in drafts. The fact that what's his ADP right now, it's got to be after round 12. No one's well, excited. I don't really look at the drafting him. I don't really look at the rounds with QB ADP. Cause I feel like it just depends on that's your fine. draft, but he's but, like QB 18. Right. So I just, I think that that's like 17, a really safe sleeper quarterback to begin the year with gets Dallas in week one. And now they don't have Gerald McCoy anymore. One less problem for that line. Uh, ben, I'll get your rankings of those three. I just want to say he had golf had two wide receivers who finished top 16 in PPR last year. Over the last five years, there have been 10 quarterbacks that have had two wide receivers finish top 16 in PPR, right? Two teammate wide receivers. Golf is the only one of those 10 that didn't finish in the top 12. Right. He, he had, had a murderer's row of defenses in the middle of last season. And after he got done playing Bears, Ravens, 49ers, and maybe the Steelers were in there too. He was fine, and he was pretty good before then as well. I'm not he saying aver- that he Jared averaged Goff 23 points be- per game in the non in those non four games. There it is. And then when so, he played the 49ers again, he hit 23 points against them. I I believe that he does have a chance to finish as a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Anybody who's getting picked that late in drafts and has the potential to be a top 12 quarterback fits the bill. I think Roethlisberger's got it. I think Goff's got it. Yeah, actually, Goff is the 14th quarterback on CBS. Yeah, and uh, rather have him than Cam. Go on, Ben. How would you rank them? So uh, I really came around to Goff. Uh, anyone who's been listening all offseason knows Stafford was kind of my first favorite late round QB. He his price rose to where it's been pretty comfortably like QB twelve, QB eleven. Um, Goff has been like QB eighteen, QB nineteen in the last week over at NFC. There's been forty drafts. He's been QB fifteen. I actually have him ranked QB fourteen. So like Dave said, you know. Could it be QB, you know, top 12 QB? Yeah. I'm like, I have Goff ranked for QB 14. I have for a couple of months. I think he's a great option, but he's, he's going in some formats. I mean, maybe not on, on CBS, but he's going QB 15. Newton's still sitting back in QB 19 over on NFC in those 40 drafts. Roethlisberger's right in between at QB 17. I would go, uh, I actually have Newton up at QB 13 in my ranks. So I have Newton Goff and then I have Roethlisberger QB 16 not far behind. I also really like Rosberger for the reasons Jamie said, and, and he could come back, but yeah, these are three of my favorite late round targets. It's almost like, which one can you get latest? But I do think in some cases, and the reason that Cam Newton would be the one that I would call my favorite sleeper, he's the one you can get the latest. He's going still pretty late in some formats that are still pretty competitive. I don't know that there's a guarantee that he's going to win the job. And I don't really care because if he doesn't win the job and one QB leagues, I will cut him before week one and I'll add somebody off waivers like Gardner Minshew or like Tyrod Taylor. Like I'm not worried about starting somebody like that in week one. We've talked about that on several shows, but Newton is the one, like Jamie said, who has the most upside. If he does start, the Patriots are very creative at how they use players like this unique players. They always have been Um, obviously they never had anyone directly like Newton. And, and Dave made a comment that his, his rushing has been a little bit down. It's actually been really consistent. Like he's had at least four rushing touchdowns every year of his career until last year. And he's had at least 350 rushing yards every year of his career until last year and over 480 every year, except one other one 
Um, so you like, even as he's 31 years old, I'm expecting them to build an offense around using his physicality where he runs for 400 plus yards and he runs for four or five touchdowns minimum. And I think there's upside for Bill Belichick to be like, this is our goal line back. And he runs for 10 touchdowns. Like, I, I really think that's a possibility. Um, we'll see if he even wins a job, like we said, but like at, we've talked about this before as well. Every year he's played 16 games. He's been a top five quarterback. That's massive upside with that rushing floor. I referenced I, this uh, previous show that uh, in our magazine draft that's on stands now, uh, Chris Towers took Cam Newton and Jared Goff, and that's the perfect way to play a weight on QB scenario and take two guys that are not ranked in the top 12. And, and in some cases could be ranked outside the top 15. So, you know, you, you're, you're playing – what I think is is a pretty good floor for golf and a very high ceiling as well, and a very high ceiling for Cam Newton with a little bit of a lower floor. So it's it's the way you it's the way you do it if you're not going to get one of your top tier guys. And so like you could you could go any of the t- two of the three that we mentioned. Throw Daniel Jones in there because he's a similar type of guy. Ben mentioned Gardner Minshew is another similar type of guy just based on his rushing ability. These are the type of quarterbacks that will help you. Maybe not be league winners, you know, depending on how things go. But if they finish around the top ten based on the value, you're thrilled. And Ben, I got to give you credit. Roth or Roethlisberger, Belichick's been looking for a goal line back for a while. <laughs> he thought it was Sony Michelle. Sony stunk at it. They drafted Damian Harris. He couldn't get on the field. It makes sense that they would turn to Cam when they're at the one yard line. That does make sense. So maybe yeah, I'm kind of thinking that might happen. <laughs> so so okay. So let's if we project him for 400 rush yards, which I don't know, some people might be expecting more than that from cam. I think that's a fair number to look for and maybe six rushing touchdowns. What do you think he can deliver through the air? I'll open the door to have my mind changed, but I'm nervous about that passing game. Not being so prolific for him. We just saw a guy have a career season, a record breaking season with 3000 and 1200, right? With, with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, sure. First guy to ever do that. Yeah, but Cam's I mean, not getting 12, I, I would think Cam, if he doesn't get 3,000 yards, he's missing time. No, he's usually like a 3,900-yard passer. Yeah, but that's that's when he's, you know, MVP-type player. Okay, so you know? so what do you think it'll be? I would say like 3,200, 3,300. That's in that it? Range. That's a really 20 like, touchdowns, 20 passing touchdowns? I'd probably go under on that. Oh, okay. that's terrible. He's not going to be. Yeah, then, uh, then I don't no, think, but I think he's going to be like 608. Russia. 608. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be, that'd be really look, good. Look, that'd I, be really good. It, it, that would be really good. And maybe eight touchdowns happens if he stays healthy. And what Ben said, it does make sense. Belichick just says, all right, you're my hammer at the one. Go get it, Cam. You know, go hand the ball to a fan in the stands each time you score. But I don't see the yardage. Well, being that that's high. not going to happen. There's one thing that he's not going to do this year it's handed to a fan in the stands. I bet he does. <laughs> Uh, I don't think but they're going to be any fans. Oh, stands, you know. Upper right. Sorry, I'm I'm living in another year. I guess. Uh, they, <laughs> yeah, hey, look, it's like they've ruled them out for the whole, ruled out fans for the whole. Look, season. I've been positive about the whole quarantine the whole time. They even said on Twitter today that there's going to be football. So let me pretend he's going to hand it to a cardboard cutout, and that'll be it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> perfect. All right, real quick, today's sponsor is Cuts Clothing. I love Cuts Clothing. I am wearing a Cuts Clothing shirt right now. It's one of the four Cuts Clothing shirts that I own. I can't wear the other three. They're in my hamper. They, I wear them all the time. These are my favorite shirts now. You are going to love Cuts Clothing. They've got short sleeve shirts. They've got long sleeves like this one. Uh, they got polos. they got sweatshirts. A very, very good selection at CutsClothing.com slash FFT. When you go there, CutsClothing.com slash FFT, you'll get 15% off your first order. Check out all of their styles. Like I said, all the sleeves I mentioned, but also crew and V-neck and polos. And they're so comfortable and they're so 
versatile. Cutsclothing.com slash FFT. I honestly have trouble finding t-shirts. I've been wearing the same ones for years because I, I can't really find any that are nice enough for me to go out in. Uh, most of the stuff I wear, I just wear it around the house. But Cuts Clothing has completely changed the game. I said, these shirts, they're very, very versatile. Their, their t-shirt has enough quality and style to wear in your office, on a date, or anywhere in between. Look, I don't go out that much right now for obvious reasons, but when I do go out and I want something that's versatile and comfortable and looks good and looks presentable, my Cuts Clothing shirts are always the first ones I go to. So I promise you're going to love their selection. I really, really am a believer. These shirts are great. They are like sturdy and comfortable and they're just awesome. Go to cutsclothing.com slash FFT. Get 15% off your first order. That's cutsclothing.com slash FFT for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. Here, here's here's yeah. Cam, 2017. Last year, he played 16 games. 3,300, 22 touchdowns, 16 picks, 754, and 6 on the ground. And he finished top 10 for sure, right? He finished top 5. If he played 16 games, then he finished top 5. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, 2018 was even a, an even better year before he got hurt. Uh, right? He was, he was playing great. Completion percentage was way up, all that. I hope he can throw for more than 3,200 yards. <laughs> yeah, Cam was QB2 that year. That's how big 750 and 6 is as far as rushing. And that wasn't even a good passing year for him. Uh, That's in four-point touchdown leagues. In six-point, he was QB4, but yeah. Okay, let's get some more sleepers here. So far, we've heard um, Josh Kelly for Jamie, Boston Scott for Ben, Blake Jarwin for Dave. We just talked about Cam Newton, Ben Roethlisberger, and Jared Goff. Ben, give me a third sleeper. Uh, I'll go with Christian Kirk. We've talked about him quite a bit um, and fairly recently, so we can do it kind of quick. But basically, he was very efficient as a rookie and not last year, and a lot of that had to just do with his deep ball efficiency, which is a pretty small sample typically in a a given year. Um, And if you look at the two years combined, he's slightly better than league average at, at deeper depth so far in his two years. And he was also dealing with a nagging ankle injury throughout most of last year. Uh, was their clear number one receiver last year, led the team in targets. Obviously, Fitzgerald was moving around in the in the slot. Um, but with, with Kirk, you basically have a guy going into year three, going to have a role in this offense, um, not going to have as much defensive attention now that DeAndre Hopkins is there. I think the offense is going to throw more and, and, and frankly be a lot better this year than it was in year one under Cliff Kingsbury. And I think Kirk's like the the perfect guy to buy into, especially if you take uh, Kyler Murray in drafts. I love to stack him with Kirk because Murray's upside, I think is really tied to this passing offense exploding. And and that would be tied with Kirk breaking out. And I I think that's going to happen. Frankly, would you rather have Christian Kirk or a giants wide receiver? Kirk Christian Kirk or Brandon cooks Kirk. Oh, okay. Christian Kirk or Debo Samuel Kirk. Any disagreements from the crowd? Yes, go on. Uh, I'll take I'll take Kirk over Debo, but I'll take the, everybody else ahead of Kirk. I just don't think the opportunities are going to be there for him. I got to be consistent with my message with Hopkins. Kirk's good. He's not great. He had a chance to be great last year. He didn't come through very often. He's been inconsistent. I'd love to see it happen for him. He's going to have to be really efficient because his targets aren't going to be as high. How many targets do you think he gets, Ben? 
Probably not a ton. Um, I, I'll look, look at my projections right now, but I, I would guess in the 100 to 110 range, but I think he can be pretty efficient on the. I have him at 113, and that's like where he was at last year. I think he was like 109 or something. Um, he'll probably get some carries. He was actually second behind Fitzgerald, but per game, he was better than Fitzgerald because he missed the three games. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. But he, uh, will get uh, some rushing work as well, I think. And so, yeah, I mean, not a ton of targets, but I think he can be efficient on. He's, he's fascinating because, you know, I, I think we, we do this too much. Like we write off the second guy whenever somebody big is brought in and you're right. He's in, in his third season. Like, I don't think he's going to be league winning good. But he could be in that borderline number two wide receiver three range. It's going to come down to how many targets Hopkins gets. I mean, you know, it's the same same thing I've been saying all along too. You know, to to uh, echo Dave's point of being consistent. You know, I, I don't think Hopkins is coming in and getting 150 targets. So Larry Fitzgerald has never had under 100 targets in his career. Uh, that's going to come down. You know, this will be the first time it happens, which is understandable. He's he's at this age and you know playing because he still loves the game. But how far down does he come? Does he go from 105 or whatever it was to 60 does he go from 105 to 80 does he go from 105 to you know 90 you know it's that that's to me that's the 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 key to it all is where does Fitzgerald fall because I don't think Kirk is going to regress target wise I think he'll be right about the same well so and he's I, gonna get 100 say 80 for Fitzgerald and then where does you know Hopkins end up where's his ceiling you know and and I think a big part of it is are they gonna add pass attempts and we've talked before but I should probably reiterate for the the new August listeners they were fourth in situation neutral pace last year which means between snaps they took the fourth smallest amount of time they were quick but they didn't control their drives long enough they didn't keep the ball to actually run a lot of plays they were I think 21st in total play volume um this is a team that wants to play fast just didn't actually execute I think this year with Hopkins, if you expect Kyler Murray to be at all better, they should throw more passes. They should be in the upper half of the league in pass attempts as opposed to the lower half of the league. Um, so I'm actually expecting a lot more attempts overall. I have Fitzgerald at 97 targets. I have Hopkins at 148, and I have Kirk at 113. But even just you saying that, I didn't realize. He was at 108 last year in only 13 games. I mean, Kirk was on pace for easily over 120. Maybe he was on pace for 130. I can't do the mental math right now. But like, I don't think people realize he was their clear number one last year and is a big part of their their – plans and yet despite that he's only had five or more catches in nine of 25 career games he's had 10 or more ppr points in 14 of 25 games that's not bad if you're looking for 10 ppr points and trust me my sleeper that's where he's going to come in at um, but 15 ppr points he's done that eight times in his career that's a 32 percent success rate yards per route run i know we debate that stat and whether or not it means anything kirk was at 1.41 yards per route run fitzgerald was at 1.40 both of them after 30th in the league in that stat. So I'm a little nervous about him. I, yes, he's an athletic talent. Why haven't we seen it on a consistent basis yet? Makes me a little worried to take him. All right. Uh, Ben's I'm other... see what they're going to do also because what we saw last year when Drake was going well, their rush attempts went from, they were 24.8 for the season, but in the final three games, they were averaging over 30 rush attempts per game. And so if their run game is clicking, which, you know, That's I think bad for all Kenny Drake. That's bad for all the pass catchers. Though. It's bad for all of them, right? Yep. Yeah. Drake had two games with like 22 carries, right? And they were the only two games that they won in the in Kenyan those three Drake. Games. Yeah, he won two or three. Yep. Uh, they yeah. Two three. yeah, he had 12 carries in week 17, but he had 22 and 24 carries in weeks 15 and 16. Those were Drake's only games with the with the Cardinals with more than 16 carries, and they were the only two games that the Cardinals won. 
Ben's other sleeper wide receiver is LaVisca Chenault. We did talk a lot about him on the wide receiver preview, but want to give us the uh, 22nd overview of why you think LaVisca Chenault, who, by the way, is not even a top 200 pick. He is super late in a lot of drafts. LaVisca Chenault, why you like him? Yeah, Kirk's the guy that's a sleeper in every league that'll get drafted. Chenault might be a free, you know, a waiver wire guy for some leagues, but he's a big physical receiver that people have talked about how he's kind of a bulldozer. He's good underneath option if he can win that job over D.D. Westbrook, who is a lot older and a lot less productive than I think people recognize. Westbrook and Conley are on their last years of their contract. Chenault is the future, and, and this team's going to be need to be looking to the future. I think he's a great compliment for DJ Chark, and he's a better downfield receiver than people understand. He was a really productive downfield as well. We had, uh, since Adam doesn't let me talk about these guys, we had Mark Long from the Associated Press on HQ to talk about the Jaguars, and he, he you know, kind of echoed what you said there, Ben, but more so on the negative side of things, just about playing time, that he thinks they're going to go with, you know, Westbrook and, and Conley probably more so than we would like to see just because those guys are proven. Conley's, you know, been so good in the community. I know we don't usually talk about those things, but that matters, I think, to the franchise and the team that's trying to, you know, establish or reestablish a fan base after what happened to them over the last couple of years. So they may give Conley a little bit longer leash. Um, but yeah, Westbrook's a guy that I think is going to probably be a little bit of a problem for uh, Chanel getting on the field. But future-wise, he, he could be amazing. Yeah, maybe it's a pick that doesn't pay off in week one. Maybe you don't have to draft him, but... Be high on LaVisca Chenault. There's a lot of potential there, and he seems like a very good fit for Gardner Minshew, as we've talked about uh, in previous shows. Jamie, you've got two more sleepers other than Ben Roethlisberger and uh, uh, Josh Kelly. You have Anthony Miller, who is going you know around like the 11th round or so. He's outside the top 40 at wide receiver. On NFC, he's wide receiver 51. Anthony Miller, and you also have Chris Herndon, who's... Off of a lot of radars. Tight end 26 on Fantasy Pros, tight end 20 on NFC, and only played one game last year. But Chris Herndon, he was right in. Remember, I keep giving that stat about Noah Fant had like the same stats as a rookie as Rob Gronkowski and George Kittle. Well, Chris Herndon pretty much did as well. 502 yards, and, four touchdowns. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, you, you brought up something quite a bit about Blake Jarwin, who you know I like a lot, in that does he have league winning upside or does he have the upside just to be the 12th best tight end? And I started thinking about that a little more. And I think he kind of falls in line of a guy that could end up being more 10 to 12, as opposed to maybe top 10 type of player. The targets will be there for him. Dave, Dave made that point, And I think that's, you know, kind of where I come out on it, but I moved Herndon into my top 12 ahead of Blake Jarwin, because Whoa. you look at first Denzel Mims is hurt now. So there's, there's a guy that's going to miss time. Uh, you mentioned what Herndon did as a rookie, go back to last year. Uh, Ryan Griffin played nine games with Sam Darnold healthy. He had five touchdowns in those nine games. So they're going to throw to the tight end quite a bit. We know what Adam Gase and Sam Darnold, I think, like to do. It's inside out as opposed to outside in. And so while Jameson Crowder should be their number one guy, I think you make a case that Herndon is their number two guy. And uh, reading the practice reports from the last couple of days, um, they've moved him everywhere. They played him in the slot. They played him outside. They played him in line. They, you know, using him just all over the formation. And maybe that's because of, you know, Mims not being on the field. But uh, we know what Brashad Perryman's career has been. And Mims, you know, may take some time, and now the injury could set him back a little bit. I think there's a big opportunity here for for Chris Herndon, um, and so he's the type of guy I think that does have league winning upside. And so I'll I'll take a shot on him as uh, in that group of uh, Fant, hopefully Hawkinson healthy, Blake Jarwin, Jonu Smith. Uh, but I'm going to take him ahead of Austin Hooper and Derek Cook. I think there's more upside with Ooh, him. That's a pretty hot take right there. I that, dig it. Yeah, I like it. That's bold. So you said ahead of Jared Cook and Austin Hooper, you're taking Chris Herndon. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you know, Anthony Miller. Do you like Anthony Miller or Christian Kirk? I like Miller better, but they're 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 kind of in the same spot. You know, number two guys on offenses that I think will throw more than uh, the Bears. I think will throw more maybe than we expect. Um, but I, I think there's an opportunity for Miller, as we saw last year when when Taylor Gabriel was out. You know, his numbers popped. Targets should be there for him very easily. You know, you look at this tight end group; it's not exactly great. You have an old guy and a young guy that has to prove himself still. Um, there there is no third receiver to speak of. Uh, I don't think Riley Ridley is going to be that guy. Ted Ginn, we know he is. He's, you know, basically a one-trick pony. So I think there's a big chance for Anthony Miller to step up in his third season. You know, I like third-year guys. He hasn't proven himself yet over his first two seasons, but he's shown some flashes. Uh, But there should be a bigger opportunity with hopefully better quarterback play. And so I I like Anthony Miller as a fourth receiver with a chance to use him as a number three guy or higher. Dave, two more sleepers from you. One of them, I was like, what? Randall Cobb? Yeah, I actually would love to change Randall Cobb. I can talk about Cobb oh, if you yeah. want. It's like a late round PPR dart throw just because he's probably the healthiest of the top three pass catchers in Houston at this point. And there's some metrics that I really like about him as far as yards after contact per catch and uh, catch rate, all that stuff from the slot. Just he's an established slot guy. And I think that's going to be his role. But I think the, the what's happening right now in New York actually helps Prashad Perryman. And I'd rather get him than Randall Cobb anyway. If I'm going to take a shot on a wide receiver late, let it be one that's got upside. And Perriman's dripping with it after the way that he finished last year. I know that his track record before the end of 2019 is ugly, but he's got a golden opportunity to be the number one outside receiver for New York. Won't lead the team in catches. That's going to be Jamison Crowder. Could be second. Certainly should have a better yards per catch average than Jamison Crowder and could certainly score more touchdowns. And apparently Sam Darnold is slinging it in camp so far. So that's a wide receiver. It, uh, I, I had to write a story for the site about who's got a shot at 90 catches this year. And he was my ultimate dark horse that he and Crowder could get Brashad. Yes, 90 catches. What? I think I think the time, who else is going to catch the ball? Yeah, I know you made a great case for Herndon, but we've seen Herndon flop uh, four times already, it seems like. And I don't know if Denzel Mims is going to be ready to go. And I don't really trust any of the other receivers they have there. They're running out of guys there. I I said it was a dark horse call, and this is a late-round pick. I'm going to take a shot on Bashar Perriman in a couple of drafts, put him on my bench, see how the starts of the year. I would be shocked if he had 52. But 90 is really out there. Had to come up with somebody for it. That's who I picked out of everybody Um, in the league. Can I I throw one in there that's not a sleeper, but there's some news potentially? Can can we... uh, Oh, this sounds important. Go ahead. I don't like it. Kareem Hunt's probably going to be a top ten running back if this is a problem. Oh god! Whoa, Nick Chubb left what? the field with a trainer. Oh, oh no! But you can't. He left the field with a cha- trainer. That's not enough. It could to mean get us all worried. Yeah, it is pouring rain there right now. Okay, that's a, I have Rashad Perriman projected for forty nine receptions. I want to say so. I think that double it, baby, double it. Fifty numbers, Dave. I will bet you anything you want that Rashad Perriman does not get the ninety catches. Okay, that's fine. Look, 50 catches from Bashad Perryman can still make for a good, at very least, bench receiver in fantasy. Uh, you know, Perryman is been... that not well within no, his I do. Oh, 50 is fine. <laughs> right. I know. He's going to be a downfield air yards guy, too. So, he, though, you know, even if he only got 50 or maybe he catches yes, 60, 50 70. I agree that 90 yards. is silly. I agree that 90 is silly and 50 <laughs> would be surprising. I don't think. Yeah. How many catches does he have in his career? He might only have like 125. <laughs> right. you had, well, wait, you, after last year. You had an assignment where you had to pick a wide receiver that was going to get 90 catches? I had to pick a bunch of receivers that were going to get 90 catches. Anthony Miller also made this list. Like, and I think Jamie would agree that there's a chance that he could get oh, he's 90 catches. 
talking about? <laughs> right. I mean, he, was, he had a five-week stretch last year where he was averaging 10 targets per game. So I had to come up with a dark horse for it, and I chose Perryman out of everybody else. And it, it wasn't to slight Crowder either, but it is sliding Chris Herndon. I mean, there's 96 targets available with Robbie Anderson going. No, Demarius Thomas is also gone, and, and they have a bunch of scrubs. Who's going to be? He had like sixty targets last year. It was stupid, but he did. So there's, I think there's something there for Perryman. What, it wouldn't what the shock hell, me man? if it's Perryman got seventy catches or seventy-five. I don't think you're like that far Thank away you. from ninety. Thank you. Okay, it he, would be that. That's it, the point. Ninety is an incredible Cobb, benchmark. Like people don't just shock us and have ninety catches. I mean, it's a tough assignment, Dave. So I applaud your boldness. Now, the sleeperometer. We're gonna. I'm gonna read the tweets that I got. The sleeperometer, um, and we'll see what the people are saying out there. And you tell Wait a me, I didn't even mention my sleeper oh, running. Back. Damian Harris, yeah, go ahead. Damian Harris might be the most talented running back for for New England outside of James White. Now we we've already made the case on this podcast about Cam Newton. Now he's going to get a dozen rushing touchdowns this year, so that would hurt Damian Harris. But if Sony's hurt, Lamar's twenty nine going on. He's basically going to be. I think he's going to be thirty during the season. I, I think that there's going to be an opportunity at some point this year where Damian Harris is going to be the lead running back for the Patriots. But you have to say he might be the most talented because he only touched the ball four times last year, which is right. Such I'm, a weird I'm, thing. I am just, I, I think they were waiting for Sony Michelle to really, really screw up and he never did. Yeah. Well, and Michelle might not be ready for week one. So, right. That's, that's, this that's is an opportunity for Harris if time. he's the guy. So why did they sign Lamar Miller? It's so dumb. It is dumb. And I do like Harris. I, I wasn't trying to dog yeah, on that. I, I loved like him, him in college. Loved him at Alabama. So it's a lot of guy that looked great on film coming out of Alabama. Seems like the Belichick type of running back that he likes to use on rushing downs. Hopefully the opportunity is there for him. But okay. I, I wish that Jared Stidham would be his quarterback instead of Cam because then that would be more touchdowns inside the five. All right. Let's read the tweets now. Who is your favorite sleeper? Or I said, who are your favorite sleepers for 2020? Let's pick a few here. How about uh, DeAndre Washington from KD? KD? Anymore. KD is the person who tweeted about it. Oh, I thought His you meant from KC. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I had to drop him after you, we read about Daryl Williams being up first. We'll see. Okay. He's got, he's got potential to be a sleeper. I like Washington. I like him too, but if Edward Zillair knows Zero to 10 on those sleeperometer. Yeah, it's like a five. One. Okay. Seven. From fantasy, from fantasy fat ball. Uh, <laughs> Jarek McKinnon. There's he so much hype. But the, the targets aren't going to be there. They're, like Everyone wants him to have a receiving role, but like Kyle Juszczyk is involved in the passing game. They've added Reed now with Kittle. Um, yeah, they have all these wide receiver injuries, but you can only have so many short area targets. And I just don't buy that he's going to have like this massive receiving role that's going to make him fantasy relevant consistently. So for me, it's like a three. 90 catches. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 going to be like a three for me too. You see what he said? McKinnon? After getting all his money last two years and not playing? No. He said, uh, I'm I'm playing like I'm broke. Okay. Okay. Hopefully that, he doesn't break anything. That, he's well, a, that he's a 10. I love him as a person. Yeah. All right. So that, not a lot of love there for McKinnon. How about Henry Ruggs? Eight. Yeah. Ooh. <sighs> Five. God. I don't know what to make of him. I would rather have him than anybody we've who's, who's put in front of us, Adam. So right. seven minimum. 
Okay, then let me read this one from Craig. Craig Geo. He's got two rookie wide receivers, Michael Pittman and Justin Jefferson. Let's start with Michael Pittman. Zero to ten. Five on Pittman. Jefferson will be higher. Two. I don't think people are giving Zach Pascal enough love. And I think Paris Campbell's a slot. And I think Pittman is not going to be the every down player opposite T.Y. Hilton on the other outside spot because I think Zach Pascal is good. And they rotated receivers last year. They did like rank Reich didn't mind rotating. So I just I, I have no interest in Pittman. He might be the new one of these guys by the end of the season we're we're gonna be more interested in than we are now because uh we had Steven Holder from the Athletic on HQ and he said this is just one thing that they've been begging for for the Colts. Uh, for years is a big receiver and we know what rivers has done with these guys in the past. So I don't know if it's trying to force him on the field, force him in a situation just to see what he can do. Um, but you know, I mean, I know he likes to bring this up. They drafted him over Don Taylor. <laughs> so that's <laughs> true. Uh, clearly there's, there's an interest and in, you know, Hilton small, obviously he's their best guy. Campbell small, like Ben said, he could be their slot guy. I think Zach Pascal, while he, he helped himself and, and maybe showed the coaches something last year, he clearly is the fourth man if everything goes well for the other three guys. So, um, you know, one thing Steven said to, to, uh, to me on HQ was that they want Michael Pittman to be something. They want him to be Vincent Jackson, which is what he uh, they want to be Mike Williams. As. They want him to be Vincent Jackson, you know, yeah. attach whatever big receiver that Philip Rivers ever played with before. You know, I'm sure they'd want him to be Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne, but, you know, he's not going to be those guys. But still, if he could be something uh that they don't have that's just different you know then then they have a big physical presence on the field that can help them in some you know spots red zone you know high point plays you know whatever the case you want to find where's paris campbell let's where's paris campbell on the sleeperometer because i love him he's like an eight for me yeah i love him too six seven for me at least yeah in that range here okay by the way stephen holder who jamie keeps referencing went to college with dave richard they never cross paths no justin jefferson is what (laughs) Uh, like a six and a half in PPR. He's lower than that in non-PPR. Ah, there's so many targets available. Yeah. And it sounds like he's ready to go. You don't have to worry about him being on the COVID list. He's off that. Coaching staff keeps talking about how uh, how slot ready he is and how he's exactly what they drafted. And yeah. I think there's a can... lot of targets available in Minnesota for who? Diggs? Well, well Diggs is gone. Diggs leaving. 90 whatever. Right. Well, like, again, I mean, we can't just say there's 96 targets available. I, there's probably more than that because I, I think they're going to throw more. And Well, I mean, there's just there, there's a big the player game. who's gone. Yeah, but so, also... Thielen had 48 last Thielen, year. Right, that's the other thing. Thielen barely played last year, so I don't know. You can't Fair just... Point. yeah. Right, but they also ran the ball really well last year. And if Cook struggles or goes down, that could be a problem that they're going to need the receivers to step up. I was we just, all think it would be... Thielen, who would just absolutely run away with it. But Jefferson's a really good, talented player. He's great out of the slot, very quick, can win the jump ball. He's just not a burner down the field, despite what he ran at the combine. I, so, I will say also, I said this a few times, don't discount Irv Smith, too. He's going to yep. be a big part of this yep. offense. He's not, he's, he's kind of the same as Jefferson. He's not as explosive downfield, but he's quick and he's bigger, obviously. So they could certainly find ways to, to use him. They've got a lot of like unheralded players for fantasy who could end up being good bi-week options or number three receivers. Jefferson's one of them for sure. This is, this is amazing. Jordan Reed is not practicing already for the fourth. Oh no. Uh, by the way, um, the, I did read it earlier a couple of days ago that the Vikings want to be a little bit more varied. I don't know that they're, you know, the teams say that all the time, but the plan is to not be so reliant on the run. 
Okay, we're going to finish the show with the Twitter poll. You can only put one of these two condiments on your hot dog. Which one are you choosing? Ketchup or mustard? Dave, what would you choose? It's mustard. Ben? That's the correct answer. I also chose mustard. Oh, you voted. Very nice. Jamie? I did vote. Uh, I voted also. I voted mustard, but why would anybody have to choose? <laughs> Come on. Maybe see, see results. you only have one magic packet. I would Which have packet you put on there. Voted for ketchup. ketchup. I would have yeah. voted for ketchup. And uh, I want cream cheese and grilled onions on my hot dog. That's what I want. Cream cheese. Cream cheese. Yes. I've never had cream That's cheese a on Seattle a hot dog. dog. You guys got to have a Seattle dog. At All right. Point. So what's on it? Just cream, cream cheese, cheese and grilled onions, and sometimes jalapenos, which are a bomb on there too. You uh, do you eat bagel dogs, Ben? I don't know what that is. <laughs> wow! If he's on a hot dog, you might as well like a bagel dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I would. <laughs> That's a hot dog. Like wrap the bun just goes around in perpetuity yeah, yeah. around the hot dog. That's a corn dog. No, no not no. exactly. No, no, no. The, no the hot dog comes out at the end. Yeah, okay. corn dogs like fried. fried. Yeah, corn dogs are amazing. Uh, by the way, so wait, the does pole, the cream cheese go well, on, come on before? Is it like hot cream cheese or cold cream cheese? Cold I'm gonna go make this the right inside, now. On the inside, inside of the bun on both sides, uh, and then okay. you drop the hot dog in. You, right. You put some grilled onions all across the top. Oh yeah, I and love like that. Like I said, maybe some jalapenos on it. I, I I think it's fine with just cream cheese and onions, man. But some jalapenos are pretty good too. Okay. Well, that sounds great. By the way. 51% mustard, 49% ketchup. How about that? Wow. Very split here. Very split. Uh, so I'm rooting for ketchup to, uh, to to win it in the end. I don't think it will. Thanks for listening, everybody. We got breakouts tomorrow. We got busts later in the week. And uh, we're gonna. Ha- I'm, I promise you I'm going to try to read your emails, make some time for that at some point this week. Don't forget to check us oh. out on Twitch Tuesday night. Speaking of emails, uh, we're starting. Uh, we're back to a full 60 minutes on HQ for FFT. So Ask FFT will be back. So uh, I'm sure Shaggy B will send out some tweets and you guys can ask us questions there. Since Adam ignores you, we won't. Oh, please. I just don't, don't eat it. Uh, thanks to Jamie, Dave, uh, Dave and Ben and Dave and Busters. See you later. <laughs>